when the sins of this world and the sins of the churches around us increase, it signals the coming of Jesus and the coming of the Great Tribulation and the end of this present world. At some point, that will happen. The powers of heaven will be shaken before Jesus returns. In March 2021, a very small event, at least seemingly small, happened, but it caught my attention. It was captured by a surveillance camera. The setting was in Florida. A meteorite fell, and before it hit the earth, you could see it streaking through the sky, a bright, very bright-looking star-type meteor streaking through the sky, and then just before it hit the earth, it exploded. Things like that, signs in the skies, are things I watch for. In April, they reported just one little tiny story on ABC TV News, and it was three earthquakes hit Texas. They weren't big enough to do any damage. Amarella had the biggest, about a 4.0, shook some things, and they could feel it 50 miles away. They had another one in El Paso area and another one over on the east side of the state of Texas. But Texas doesn't have earthquakes. And that caught my attention. If it had been tornadoes, I probably wouldn't have noticed, but I, but it was earthquakes. Something happened in February 2021 that really caught my attention. It wasn't reported until April, but it happened in February. A church in Georgia in the Southern Baptist Convention Group the pastor announced that homosexuals, lesbians, were now invited to their church. They would be welcomed. This was implied that it was without change, without repentance. Now, that's the kind of story that really gets my attention. Because before Jesus returns, the apostasy comes into the churches. And when it hits a Baptist church that way, in that big of a change, it really caught my attention. I did not read the story. I didn't want to read about it. The Southern Baptist Convention put that church group out of the Baptist church group. And they reported it on USA Today. The way Southern Baptists reported it is this was not in keeping with the traditions of the Baptist Church. They said nothing at all in the news report on USA Today. They, they quoted no scripture at all. When they do not quote scripture, that gets my attention even more than the event. Because the only thing that we have is scripture. The only thing we have as Christians to go by is Scripture. And when they start failing to mention Scripture because it might not be printable 
on world news. Then, to me, that's a compromise that the church cannot make and a weakening which is visible, very much visible to me, concerning the deterioration of the overall church group. I have a high school classmate who was a longtime Baptist, and at the age of about 82, she told me she didn't go to church anymore. It was so watered down. Well, I don't doubt that. That's apostasy in the churches, where they eliminate doctrine that might not be popular, or they change the doctrine to other wordings so that it's more palatable for the world. Wanting bigger crowds, wanting popularity, wanting to be understood by the world. You may as well give up when that's your goal. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. One of the primary signals for the coming of Jesus, the coming of the wrath of God, the judgment of God upon the earth, is the wickedness of man. Jesus says this in Matthew 24. Start at verse 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour of the return of Jesus, knoweth no man, no, not the angel of heaven, but my Father only. Only God knows the exact day and hour that Jesus will return. But in verse 37, Jesus said this, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So if we want to see what was going on at the time of Noah, we look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, 
and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. God's righteousness is so great. It grieves me to see some of the wickedness, but I know it grieves God far more. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. That's uh, verse 11. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. God was going to spare Noah. We see the same thing was called to our attention by Jesus concerning the last days, concerning Lot. In both Noah and Lot, do we see the things that man does to provoke God? In the case of Noah, we've seen the violence of man, the hatred, the evil in man, the murderousness of man, the destruction in the heart of man. In Lot, we are going to see something else. Reading at Luke 21, And they asked Jesus, saying, Master, but when shall these things be, and what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draws near. Go ye not therefore after them. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotion, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then he said, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines, and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. Let's look at that for just a minute. Verse 11 of Luke 21. Before Jesus returns, there will be great earthquakes there will, in diverse places and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. Pestilences is one of the things in Matthew 24 that was named along with the wars that would happen before the end came. Have we ever seen a pestilence in the whole history of the world that equaled coronavirus, where it spread all over the world and touched everyone on the face of the earth as far as a nation? I, I don't think we have. We've seen reports in the Middle Ages of the Black Plague, but that reached, that touched a certain portion of the world. 
we've certainly seen yellow fever and various uh, pestilences like that. But it didn't reach the entire world. I don't know of any pestilence that has reached every nation on the face of the earth other than coronavirus. For this reason, it gets my attention. I think it causes us to just look more carefully at the things of God, us who are of God. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity before Jesus comes. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And after the powers of heaven are shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. According to Matthew 24, the following will happen. The Great Tribulation, written about in Revelation 8, 9, and 16, the powers of heaven will be shaken after the Great Tribulation, and Jesus comes through the air after the power of heaven are shaken. Matthew 24, verse 29 Jesus says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, and I think he means the great tribulation, which we have not seen yet. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. The minute the sun goes dark in the middle of the day, look up. For redemption is very soon. We're on the threshold of the return of Jesus when that happens. That's the key thing I would look for. In the meantime, we have some little leaves on the fig tree falling off. It says, when the fig tree buds, you know it's spring. When they fall off, what do you know? It's fall. Well, we have certain signs of the season of the end. And I think the greatest sign is the apostasy in the churches. To me, that is heartbreaking. But it was ordained it had to happen before Jesus could return. In Matthew 24, once again, Jesus said, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Isaiah said in Isaiah thirteen thirteen that the earth would be moved. It would move in the solar system before the day of the Lord, before his coming. I had a dream back in 1980, middle 80s, I had a dream where the earth slipped on its axis. People were terrified. The governments of men were meeting with the scientists and the religious leaders to see what could be done about the earth slipping on its axis. 
Well, of course, nothing can be done because the only thing that can make the earth slip on its axis is God. No man can make that happen, and no man can fix it. A TV newsman in my dream was giving a report of this event. Usually TV people tell about a sad event, and they frown and pretend. But this man, this TV reporter, he just stopped talking. He, he, he was so terrified, for it was going to affect him, and he knew it. And he just got up and walked off camera in the middle of the newscast. The powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then it says, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels. This is really important. He shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the one end of heaven to the other. They will be taken off the earth in their new spiritual bodies, and they will meet Jesus and the dead in Christ in the air. Several years ago, God said to me, in the air, and that's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It tells about the dead in Christ being raised. They will be raised before the living who are still on the earth are taken off the earth. They will all meet in the air, not on the earth, in the air. Why? Because this present heaven and earth will be destroyed by God. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Revelation 21 tells of that. We'll look at Revelation 21 for a moment. The Apostle John said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. This is the place Jesus, the dead in Christ, and the living who have been taken off the earth. As they meet in the air, they're going to be taken to this new heaven and new earth, which is created by God for the elect of God. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, physical pain, emotional pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. There's a passage in Isaiah where Isaiah says, In the new heaven, new earth, 
there will be no recollection of the present heaven and earth. We won't even remember. Well, that makes sense. Because if we remembered, we would be looking for those people and trying to find out who was left behind and what had happened to the people we knew. We won't have that. There will be no remembrance that they even existed in the new heaven and new earth. Luke 21, verse 29, And Jesus spake to them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all of the trees. When they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. What we are going to see is an increased wickedness. As long as we're on this earth, it will increase as we go nearer and nearer to the judgment of God and the return of Jesus. The second thing that will be so strong is the apostasy that comes into the churches. And Antichrist takes over in the churches. Yes, there are multiple Antichrist. John said that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Not one Antichrist, not Antichrist through governments of men, but many Antichrists will come into the churches. John speaking to the church of his day, in 1 John chapter 2, he was speaking to the church of his day. And it was a church based on the doctrine of Christ, the pure doctrine of Christ. And there were antichrists sitting among this church that had the pure doctrines of Christ. But those antichrist people wouldn't stay. They left. And you can be assured they set up their own churches. Even then, even in the day of John and Paul. Verse 18, little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Many Antichrists, these were people that came to the church that John had, the Apostle John, and they sat there as if they were the church, but they weren't. They were Antichrist, opposite to Christ. And they left the ch church that John was in charge of. And when they left, they knew these people were not of us, of the church. They weren't really of Jesus. Today we have vast numbers of denominations who have fallen away from Scripture and set up their own churches to suit themselves. Both Catholic and Protestant have set up churches and eliminated the doctrines of the New Testament to suit themselves. 
Paul said to the elders at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 that he knew that after his departing, some of them would come forth with perverse doctrines of men, speaking perverse things to draw away people after themselves. That's in Acts chapter 20, verse 29-30, somewhere around there. So Paul knew it was coming. And then Paul said, toward the end, in the last days, perilous times would come. For men would be lovers of their own selves. And that the wickedness would become greater and greater. He said that in Second Timothy chapter 3. And he told the real church, hang on to scripture. Even though the wickedness of man would be greater and greater, hang on to Scripture. And then he told us what had to happen before Jesus returned. This is in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord shall not come except there come a falling away First, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. The falling away from scriptures is the thing that allowed Antichrist into the church. And the falling away, these were not people leaving the church. The falling away were churches leaving the scripture. And when they left the scripture and set up their own churches, set up their own doctrine, which was not the doctrine of the New Testament Bible, then Antichrist could move in. He's the man of sin, the son of perdition. He moved into the church who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God in the church showing himself that he is God. And in verse 7, Paul tells us how these Antichrist churches and their followers will be destroyed. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. In Paul's day, it was already going on. Only he who now led us will let until he be taken out of the way. The he is talking about is Jesus. The minute they remove Jesus' scriptures from the church, the minute the scriptures were taken out of the church and other doctrines set in, Antichrist moved into the churches. The scriptures were the only barrier keeping Antichrist out. When Jesus comes, then that wicked shall be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. We all have Bibles. Every one of us have New Testament Bibles. But what has happened is churches have set up their own doctrine. People are running to their pastors to ask them, is it all right if I do this? Is it all right if I do that? Why don't they look in the Bible? 
If you're divorced and want to remarry, why don't you look at all the scriptures on the subject in the New Testament? If you're a homosexual or lesbian and want to know the truth, why don't you look at the scriptures? Romans chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. You don't run to a pastor asking him if it's all right if you do this. He may be one of the Antichrist pastors, and he'll approve all sin. So you can be damned. Verse 10, 2 Thessalonians 2. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. People who lust after doing whatever they want to do, they don't delight in the New Testament Bible. They go and find churches where they will approve homosexuals and lesbians, where they will approve the divorced woman remarrying, and where they will approve the divorced man marrying the divorced woman because they want to fulfill their own lust. And Paul said to Timothy the following, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul tells Timothy, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. We see that rampantly in today's churches, in the denominations today. They seek the denominations that suit their personality, that tell them what they want to hear. And they are turned into fables, such as, Oh, God wants you to be happy. Do whatever you want to do. He wants you to be happy. Jesus paid for your sin so you can do whatever you want to do. I'm okay, you're okay. Everything's okay. Let's sing another song. It's tragic. But that is exactly what was ordained by God to happen at the end time. And I think we are growing closer because of the wickedness of the world and the horrible wickedness of the churches who are approving wickedness without repentance. That Baptist church that I told you about uh, was in Georgia, and they told the homosexuals and lesbians, you're welcome. We approve you. We approve you. You're welcome. And sadly, the Southern Baptist Convention, even though they put them out of the Baptist group of churches, they put that church out, they reported that they did this because they were going against the tradition of the Baptist church. They never mentioned a scripture. 
This shows a big light because when men begin to omit a reference to Scripture and act as if it's just their tradition, they're sliding down very fast downhill. If we tell someone why we are doing something, we should quote the Scripture, the exact Scripture. So you say to homosexuals and lesbians, you're welcome at our church. And the Baptist Convention says, no, no, we can't have that because it's against our tradition. But they don't tell the real reason. Romans chapter 1, start at verse 26. So what does God have to say about homosexuals and lesbians? What's the thinking of God on the subject? Start at verse 26 of Romans 1. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So the homosexuals and the lesbians and the other forms of sexual perverts today demand that they be accepted. And they have little flags and they wave their flags and they march in the streets. And people are terrified of them. I saw an NFL football player who stood up against homosexuality and he was suspended indefinitely from the NFL. About a year later, they reinstated him. His name is Richie Incognito. People are afraid of losing their jobs. Newscasters are afraid. Fear is rampant on this subject of homosexuals and lesbians and sexual perverts. Fear is rampant concerning disapproving them. William Shearer was a news correspondent in World War II. He was in Germany in the 30s and early 40s until he was made to leave Germany after World War II started. Shearer wrote a book called The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. And in that book, he talks about sexual perversion, that the Nazi party was filled in one area with homosexuals, sexual perverts, he called them. If William Shearer had written that book today, he probably couldn't have done that. How do people like me get by with speaking this message? I am telling what the Bible says about homosexuals and lesbians, what the Bible says. Now, in order to get rid of me at this point in time, they would have to eliminate the Bible which they're not quite prepared to do yet. It's not something that I would be surprised to see in the future because the downhill slide will be so great, the evil will be so rampant that people will be forced to approve it. But we still have some opportunity to speak 
and we speak what the Bible says. But that Baptist church isn't. They're not going to read these scriptures to those homosexuals. And that Baptist convention, you can see they have a fear of trying to speak scripture. So they say, well, we did it because it's against our tradition to let homosexuals in. It's the Baptist tradition. My cousin, who's Church of Christ, once actually said to me, we know some of the things that we're teaching are wrong. They teach, really, against the Holy Spirit. That's awful. But she said, we don't want to hurt the faith of the old people. So they weren't speaking the truth as they knew it, but were holding it back because they didn't want to hurt the faith the old people had in the Church of Christ, not the faith that the old people had in God. It was the faith they had in the Church of Christ, in the Church itself. Therefore, they were not adding the things they knew to be true. There's a scripture that's one of their favorite scriptures, is repent and be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they, for years, taught it this way. Repent and be baptized. Period. They left the part off, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've seen church people terrified over the idea of the Holy Spirit, one of the greatest gifts ever given to the church. For he is the helper, the comforter, the spirit of truth. Well, it doesn't matter what your church group teaches about it. If you're born again, you're changed by God from the person you were before you were born again, and you are sealed with the Holy Spirit automatically, and He dwells in you as a believer. So you can follow Him because you have the Holy Spirit. The ones without the Holy Spirit can't follow Him. All of these increases of wickedness in the churches are signs to me that we are certainly getting closer to the return of Jesus. And you couple the apostasy in the churches with the wickedness in the world where they are outwardly showing the sins that they're doing. They're outwardly showing their fornication. They're outwardly showing adultery. They're outwardly showing the homosexual lesbian sins and demanding that they be approved and respected. This is pretty strong. Well, Jesus talked about as in the days of Noah, it would be like that before the return of Jesus, and in the days of Lot, it would be like that before the return of Jesus. Well, the problem in the days of Lot was homosexuals. Genesis chapter 19, start at verse 1. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening, and Lot, Abraham's nephew, sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing these two men, who looked like just regular men, because angels don't have wings, Lot rose to meet them, and he bowed himself, with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, 
and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Well, Lot knew the wickedness of Sodom. He knew the homosexuals were in every quarter of the city. He knew what they would try to do to these two men if they stayed in the street. He knew all this. And Lot pressed upon these angels greatly, and they turned in unto him and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and they did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round about, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. They came from every part of the city of Sodom to have sex with these two men who had come into Lot's house. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them, have sex with them. And Lot went out at the door and said unto them, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Lot knew what they were going to do. He knew the homosexual acts. He knew what they were going to try to do and do to these two men who had come into the city of Sodom. But Lot did not know they were angels. Well, when the men tried to break into Lot's house, the two angels just caused the men to be blind. Angels have great power. God sent them to get Lot out of Sodom before he destroyed the city of Sodom. Now, what did Jesus say? He said before his return, it would be like it was in the days of Lot. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. And it cannot be turned. The only thing that we can know is we're closer to the return of Jesus. So Jesus says in Luke 21, as he spoke about the end times, So likewise, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Matthew 24, Jesus says, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Second Peter chapter three fourteen. Peter tells us what to do to be ready. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. In peace, there's only one way to be in peace, and that is through prayer over everything that concerns us. We go through the day. And all of a sudden a problem jumps up and we turn to God and we pray and then he gives us something and we are back at peace. We go into the next day, maybe nothing happens. The third day, maybe something happens and all of a sudden we're troubled. We turn to God. And in the afternoon we're troubled and we turn to God because the only way we're going to be able to live in peace is by turning to God with each problem when it surfaces. Therefore, we keep ourselves ready for the return of Jesus every day because we connect ourselves to God in prayer. And in Luke 21, 36, Jesus says, Watch ye therefore and pray always. And that's the pray always. 
when the problem arise, stop and pray and live in peace that ye may be accounted worthy to escape. For prayer connects us to God and makes us worthy to escape. All these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Great wickedness of men came before the destruction of God in the cases of both Noah and Lot and Sodom. It was great wickedness of men, and today it's great wickedness of men, and the churches are at the top of that list when they're the apostasy, for they know better. But the world will be judged also with that which is coming. But our only role now to the end is to keep ourselves in peace without spot and blameless. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.